Hello and welcome to Economic Central. This is Mrs B with a special podcast for Year 11s as you prepare for your final assessment of 2020 on the role of the government, the uh, macroeconomic objectives and policy responses to them. So um, I'm just going to sort of summarise the main uh, themes of this particular topic uh, so that you can prepare for tomorrow's assessment. Now, the role of the government in a modified market economy is different to the role of the government in a market economy. A modified market economy means that there is a government sector. And for us in our government sector, these are the four roles. So the first role is the provision of goods and services. Now, a free market wouldn't provide certain things just by the nature of how markets operate. So, for example, public goods. The market, free market won't provide public goods because they are non-excludable and non-rival, which means there aren't any property rights, so there's no incentive for a private firm to provide them. So this means that the government steps in and provides them instead. So the things like parks, streetlights, footpaths, the government provides those and they improve our standard of living. Second thing in the terms of the provision of goods and services are merit goods. Merit goods, think back to term one, where we learnt about goods that have positive externalities, so additional benefits from consuming or producing them. Now, the free market doesn't include those within its market, so we under-consume or under-produce. So the government comes along, helps out a bit, and either provides them fully or subsidises them so that we are all able to afford them. So things like healthcare. Uh, education, vaccinations, those sorts of things. The final part of this uh, role of government is goods that require huge amounts of infrastructure investment to get them up and running. So natural monopolies are the obvious example. So something like the Water Corporation, were the government not to pay for all that water pipes and everything else put into uh, the ground to supply to all the homes in Perth, then they wouldn't be provided. So that's the first role. The second role is the regulation of business. Now, the government has a way of doing this, and it can either do it directly through statute law or licensing or inspections, or it can do it by incentives or disincentives. Now, the reason that we regulate business is to ensure that we get an efficient allocation of resources, but also to make sure that firms don't do the wrong thing, that we don't end up with lots of negative externalities, pollution and those sorts of things. So direct are things like licenses or laws to prevent businesses from doing certain things that they have to, by law, comply to, and incentives and disincentives. So incentives are things like tax breaks, uh, rewards to businesses for doing things we want them to do, and disincentives are things like fines, uh, where we fine uh, companies if they don't do the right thing. The third role is the redistribution of income. Now, a free market will result in an efficient allocation of resources, but they may not be equitable. Because we know that some people are born less talented than others. Some people have a disability. Some people can't work for a whole raft of reasons. So unless the government does something about the redistribution of income, we would have a very inequitable society. And that would bring with it a whole raft of other issues. So the government uses a progressive tax system 
And an example of our progressive tax system is income tax. So the government uses income tax to take more money from people who are earning more money. So they pay a disproportionate amount of their income in tax. And it takes that tax revenue and it redistributes it to the less well-off through what we call transfer payments. So they are payments from the government to individuals that don't involve any sort of productive activity. And that then makes us more equitable. And the last role of the government in a modified market economy is the management of the macro economy. So the role here is to stabilize the business cycle. So instead of seeing big ups and big downs, which bring all sorts of pain for people, uh, the government stabilizes the business cycle so that it's nice and undulating and it just goes along steadily. And the way in which the government does that is via fiscal policy, government spending and taxation. And we either want to contract the economy to slow it down or we want to expand the economy and speed it up. So that, in a nutshell, is the role of the government in a modified market economy. Now, if we look at that fourth role, the management of the macroeconomy, that's where we're going to expand a bit further now and explore the ideas further. Now, in order for the government to carry out that role, they need to be able to set some targets so we know where we are and therefore what policy response is needed. So the government has five macroeconomic objectives. And they are sustainable economic growth with a target of 3.5% growth per uh, growth of GDP per year. And the reason that we need sustainable growth, it needs to be growth that can keep going over time. So it's sustained. And we want it to be sustained and steady so that the living standards of the population continue to increase. Okay, so it's got to be sustainable. And to be sustainable for us, we consider to be at around 3.5% growth a year. The second of our objectives is what we call price stability. And we measure that via the CPI, by the Consumer Price Index. And our target for that is an inflation rate of between 2 to 3%. Now, we don't want very high inflation and we don't want deflation. Both of those things bring a huge amount of uncertainty to our economy. And uncertainty, as we know, leads to a lack of confidence, and that then causes bad decisions to be made, investment to be stopped, and spending to be stopped, or too much spending uh, in some cases. So we want to see the price level in our economy rising steadily. The next of our objectives, number three, is full employment or the natural rate of unemployment. Now, at this point, this doesn't mean that our unemployment is zero because that's not actually possible. It means that we have zero cyclical unemployment. So that means that we don't have the unemployment that is associated with a lack of growth in the economy when we're not growing quick enough to generate the jobs we need. So at, a, at unemployment of 4.5%, we've still got frictional and we've still got structural unemployment. But they are things that will always exist. We'll always have people moving from one job to another and we'll always have people retraining and skills that don't quite match what we need. So once we get to full employment, 4.5%, we are happy that that is a good position for us to be in. And of course, once we get to that point, the government will receive more taxes and we'll have to spend less on transfer payments. So the opportunity cost of transfer payments is positive and we can choose to spend money on things that will cause us to become more efficient. 
Now, the fourth objective is the equitable distribution of income. Now, we don't have a target for this because what we consider to be equitable is, is fairly subjective. But we use the Gini coefficient on our Lorenz curve to measure what it is. And as we know, ours is at 3.33, which means we are relatively equitable. The, four, the fifth and final objective is the efficient allocation of resources. Now, to find out if that we are efficient, we use, we measure productivity. What's our output with the inputs we have available? And if we are allocating our resources efficiently, we will become more productive. Our labor productivity will rise. Okay, so that is an important part of our objectives because it means that we will continue to grow and we'll achieve those other objectives that we have for the government. But, of course, it's not easy for um, a government to, to actually achieve all these objectives at once because things, what we call external shocks, can hit the economy. Things we weren't expecting change somewhere else in the world and it affects us in our economy. So it's not easy for it to, to, to work as we want it to work, but it gives the government a set of goals that they are working towards. So let's look at where we are currently against our objectives. Well, there's two ways of looking at where we are on the business cycle. There's some people who argue that we are in a trough because our growth was minus 0.3%, followed by minus 7% in quarter two. Our inflation was sitting at minus 0.3 at the end of quarter two. And our employment went up to as high as 7.5%, but is now down to 6.9%. And of course, unemployment has risen from about 8.5% at the beginning of the year, up to at a height at 125 and it's now down to around 114 So we have a lot of spare capacity in the economy. In terms of our equitable distribution of income, the likelihood is, if we maintain this very high level of unemployment, that the equitable distribution of the income in our, in our economy will get worse. Because we know that unemployment causes less equity. And in terms of our efficient allocation resources, we, we aren't very productive at the moment. And in terms of productivity, if you look at what's gone on, we actually have become less productive because many factories and workplaces were restricted during the uh, pandemic period because the government put social distancing measures into place. So we, we aren't allocating our resources as efficiently as we might. Okay, so the policy responses. Now, the, we have what we call a very expansionary fiscal policy at the moment. That means that the government can either really increase government spending, inject lots of money into the economy, and or reduce taxes. Now, in this case, the shock to the economy from the response to the pandemic has been so severe that the government is actually doing both at the same time. So in terms of growth, price stability and full employment, many of these measures actually address all three. So there's a variety of measures that have been put into place. So the first was Job Seeker. That's a payment made to unemployed people whilst they find work. Now, the government, due to the circumstances we were in, chose to raise that amount of money so that uh, people who were trying very hard to find a job and couldn't find one weren't in dire straits in the meantime. So that will also help with our equitable distribution of income. And those payments are being maintained for some time. The next uh, policy that's been put into place was JobKeeper. Now, that's a payment that is paid directly to uh, 
to businesses who have lost a significant proportion of their income. I think it's 30%. So rather than them laying off workers, which is what you would they would normally do, the government has paid the wages of certain people so that unemployment has remained at a lower level than it would have re- reached were we to have, have not had JobKeeper. The third uh, job payment is what we call job maker. So in order to try and incentivize businesses to take new people on, the government is paying a subsidy of wages to businesses every time they take a person on. And the subsidies are greater for uh, when they uh, take on young people because youth unemployment is a really big problem at the moment. So there are three things that are happening that will affect consumption because it's income and they also reduce uh, unemployment and hopefully increase under uh, reduce underemployment increase the number of hours people work if we get consumption rising we should get some demand pull inflation kicking in and we should see our inflation start to rise the other things the government have done is they have looked at things like bringing forward in- income tax cuts. So they were supposed to happen next year and the year after. They brought them in early and people are now going to get rebates because they're backdated to July, which means people are going to get large payments, which the government hopes that they will spend. The government, of course, will have been using the marginal propensity to consume calculations to find out what proportion of that extra income they think people will spend and then calculating what the multiplier effect of that is likely to be. Other things are grants for construction to get people to go and renovate their own homes, build extensions. There's been um, payroll tax uh, curbs, stamp duties been stopped in certain places, I think. And um, we've also had asset write-offs for businesses so that they can um, write off their assets against the tax liability and reduce the amount of tax they have to pay. There's been uh, infrastructure projects brought forward, so projects the government had already planned. They've brought those forward so that we can get people back into work. And of course, once people have jobs, they have income and they start consuming. And we want to see consumption rising because that's been the big problem in our aggregate demand over 2020, where consumption in the second quarter of the year actually fell by 12%. In terms of equitable distribution of income, the policy response obviously is a progressive tax and looking at welfare payments, our transfer payments. Now, the government in the situation we're in has decided that income tax cuts are more important to generate growth in the economy than uh, the looking at the distribution of income because we are a relatively equitable country. And the efficient allocation of resources, um, the government's... that. They are all about productivity reform. Now, difficult to do uh, and not easy to approach. So we're likely to see more of that happening. But of course, if we can get our aggregate demand growing again and the economy boosted, then we should start to see more innovation, more creation, more entrepreneurial activities, which will help our productivity. But the government can incentivize things. So it can incentivize firms to use training and education, for example, to try new new technology, anything that makes us more efficient. So therefore, we have an efficient allocation of resources. Now, I did say at the beginning of this uh, analysing where we're at in the policy responses that some people say we're in a trough. There are others who will argue that we're actually moving just out of a trough and into the early stages of an upswing. And the reason that some people might argue that is because inflation has gone back up to 0.7%. That's quite a big change from the minus 0.3. And the RBA is predicting 
a small growth in quarter three. So the quarter three growth figures haven't been released yet, but the RBA have been quite vocal this week in telling us that they think that they are going to be positive. But just be mindful of the fact, even if they are positive, we will have to have a lot of growth before the end of December in order to get back to the spot we were in on January the 1st, 2020, due to that enormous contraction in quarter two. Okay, so that in a nutshell, year 11, is the role of the government in a modified market economy, how we manage the economy, the policy responses, and what the objectives are that we measure success or failure against. Okay, I hope that's helped. Have a go at the practice essays on the PowerPoint and good luck for tomorrow.